0: Today in English, no? Today I will talk about the Four Noble Truths. First, the word truth is one of those very important topics in philosophy throughout the ages. For those people who are setting their minds on higher things, one of the most common topics is the topic of truth. And one aspect of this discussion is always you know, what is the truth? So we have this huge field of debate over uh, people's understanding of what is true, and what sort of experience can we, uh, or what sort of description of reality can we label as true? What sort of understanding of the world around us and inside of us can we give this label of truth? So first of all, we have the Lord Buddha's own idea of what, or his own teaching on what is the truth. And this is sometimes in opposition to other teachers' ideas on what is the truth. This is one aspect. But here, the important, the more important uh, characteristic of Buddhism is not the difference between what is truth and what is not truth or the debate over what is truth and what is not truth but that the Lord Buddha said not all truth is necessary to to learn or necessary to come to realize in fact most truth according to the Lord Buddha is irrelevant has no bearing on uh, one spiritual progress or development as an individual So we have this This description of the four noble truths And this is as opposed to all of the other truths That might exist out there you know, Even very important spiritual truths To other religious or spiritual traditions Like the truth about God Or the truth, truth about the beginning of the universe Or Uh, The truth about the afterlife, or so on. The truth about... I mean, truth's about the future, truth's about the past, truth's about many things around us and, uh, and things that are supernatural, things like heaven and God, and so on. Or scientific truths... Now, many of the under, of our understandings about nature, or about the universe, um, all of these very important truths for the scientific community, the Lord Buddha said these truths are not not relevant, are not important uh, in terms of the development of a of a person's mind or their spirit or their spiritual life. So he more or less discarded them and. And at times he would bring them up, or he would discuss various aspects of, of truths in terms of um, ordinary, everyday things. But he made it clearly distinct that when it comes right down to it, the only important truths are four. And these are thus, thus called the four noble truths. And when it comes right down to it, these are the only the fourth, four truths that we have to come to uh, realize, come to understand for ourselves. And so what are these four truths? The four truths are suffering, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering, and the path which leads to the cessation of suffering. So we see one, one overarching word here, one word that is repeated in each of the four truths, and this is suffering. And this, of course, is why so many people are, uh, critics are, are very quick to pounce on this word and say Buddhism is very pessimistic and, and then they see all these Buddhist meditators walking around looking miserable and so they think Buddhism must be a very miserable sort of uh, path or religion and of course when we come to practice we know this is the opposite we can see that Buddhists are actually quite happy and quite cheerful and quite patient and peaceful and quite nice individuals and they aren't miserable in any, in any sense of the word they're maybe not as exuberant or, or uh, exciting as, as, people, as other people, but as far as their level of happiness, their level of peace goes, in general what people are able to see for themselves is that Buddhists are actually quite high on the scale in terms of these desirable qualities. So then why is it that, then that we focus so much attention on suffering? And it's precisely why, this is precisely the reason why Buddhists tend to be so happy and peaceful, is because they've come to study and learn and realize the truth about all of the things that keep them from being happy and peaceful, which is suffering. You know, the word suffering just means everything that makes you unhappy, everything that stops you from being a peaceful and happy and content person. So when we look at the first noble truth, we're looking at everything that could possibly uh, cause us suffering and upset. And actually when we look at it, it comes down to just about everything. That really anything which which we come into contact with has the potential to bring us suffering. Some of the more obvious ones are, are old age, sickness, death. And these three are are very obvious, and these are the first ones that the Lord Buddha talked about. Actually, he started with birth. Birth is not quite so obvious, but if we think about it, you know, it just fits in with the other three. It's, these four things are the very essence of life. In fact, they all uh, have an element of suffering, or they have the potential to bring us great suffering. Birth, birth when we're born, you see, it can be great great difficulty for the child and for the mother. But especially old age I mean there's no debate here Whether old age is a Particularly happy thing You know when, And we're not talking about Just getting older We're talking about The point where someone becomes um, You know de- Decrepit we say Or when When we see the change In our bodies When it start, Our bodies start to fail on us Which is inevitable For all people uh, Sickness When we get a, a disease An incurable sickness Or uh, a, a, a disease in the body Which uh, leads to our inevitable death, and of course, death itself has the potential to bring us great suffering. So, all of these things are called the truth of suffering because these are the only, these are the things which tend to bring people suffering. Now, there's a um, there's a uh, proviso here. There's a qualifying statement that needs to be made: is that they have the potential to bring suffering. To create suffering for us But these are not the cause of suffering No, the cause of suffering is the second noble truth So first we have the first noble truth which is old age, sickness and death And then so many other things Sorrow, lamentation, despair uh, get, Not getting what we want Getting uh, or becoming in contact with things we don't want uh, Not having our wishes fulfilled And Anything then Lord Buddha goes on to say that really anything, every part of our experience, when we cling to it, all of the things which are clung to, the Upadana khandha, the aggregates of clinging, these are the form, so our own body or, or other bodies or or objects, material objects, feelings. When we attach to feelings uh, memories, when we attach to memories, thoughts and when we attach to uh, awareness or, or states of mind. All of these things have a great potential to bring us suffering I don't think there's... I think if we're, if we're uh, honest and if we consider carefully we can see that all of these really do have the potential when clung to, when we cling to them to bring us suffering. So form of course when we hold on to it and then it changes when we hold on to our body as youthful or beautiful or so on. Or we hold on to uh, some object in the world around us. And when it changes, of course, it brings us suffering. Our feelings, when we hold on to our feelings, always wanting happy feelings and, and uh, not wanting unhappy feelings, when uh, these things can really and truly bring us suffering. I mean, feelings, there can be terrible, unpleasant feelings. Uh, when When we... For as long as we have these feelings There's the potential for them to to bring us suffering Pain in the body Or or sadness in in the mind Our memories, of course Um, Sometimes we have to remember things which are terribly painful Sometimes we have to remember them again and again and again And though we might rather wish not to remember these things They keep coming back and back again and again And they they thus have the potential to create Great states of suffering for us our thoughts, our, our judgments, these have, you know, simply disliking something is in and of itself a great amount of suffering. Liking something is as well a great amount of suffering, because once you become attached to it, you become addicted to it. When you don't get what you want, you suffer. Even our awareness, when we're aware of anything, it has the, the potential to bring us suffering, simply because we have to be aware of things that we don't like. But all of these things, they, they in and of themselves don't have to uh, make us suffer. They are uh, a cause for suffering, or they are, um, they are suffering for when we uh, allow them to be, when we attach to them, when we want for them. And so this is the second Noble Truth, which is the cause of suffering. All of these things, all of the reality which we're faced with, it can uh, either bring us great amounts of suffering... Or we can simply see it for what it is. But when we want or we need for it to be in this way or that way, this is the cause of suffering, the second noble truth. So the Lord Buddha said, this first noble truth is very important for us to come to understand. It's important for us to come to understand um, old age, sickness, death, and basically all of the things which we come into contact with in this in this world, why understand them? Understand that them for simply for what they are. Understand that they are arising, they are staying for a short time, and then they disappearing. To come to watch and to notice and to see the nature of these things as not desirable, not undesirable, not good, not bad, not me, not mine, not under my control. And so on Simply seeing them for what they are And what this does This then removes the cause of suffering Because the only way that anything in the world around us Or inside of us can make us suffer Is if we let it If we hold on to it If we need for it to be in a certain way To stay, to go uh, To grow, to diminish To um, be this way, be that way to To obey our command and so on And then when it doesn't, of course, we suffer. When it's not the way we want, this is the truth of suffering. If we understand things, like as when we practice meditation, if we're able to catch things simply for what they are and do this again and again and again, slowly make it a part of of our uh, natural experience, then all of these things which used to bring us great suffering and distress no longer have the power to do so. So... The first, this is the first noble truth. Is you know, it is the the truth of suffering. And then, what should we do about it? We have to come to understand it, to thoroughly understand the, the truth of suffering. This is what the Lord Buddha taught. He said, "This is the first noble truth, and it should be un- thoroughly understood." It means everything that we experience should be thoroughly understood, so that it doesn't it doesn't then have the ability to create suffering for us, to really and truly be suffering. Because as I said, every single thing in this world, and this is where Buddhists get the bad rap in this, Every single thing in this world can be considered a source of suffering It doesn't have to be And this is where we come into the cause of suffering So that, what is the cause of suffering? Wanting Wanting for it to be this way, wanting for it not to be that way And very simply, our attachment to sensuality, our attachment to things that we see Our attachment to things that we hear, that we smell, that we taste, that we feel when we see things, we're, we become obsessed with beautiful, beautiful sights, to the extent that simply seeing something beautiful for a very brief moment is this cause of great uh, pleasure and desire for us, that we must possess this object of our desire. And when, we, when we hear things, beautiful sounds, nowadays it's become to the point where music is so much a part of our lives, and it's simply an addiction to sound it's it 's really nothing else we can we, we say how it moves us, how the music you know does this or that for us, but in the end it 's simply our attachment to a certain sound and If you think back to ancient times, um, we never had this constant um, bombardment of sound that we have nowadays, where we have to always be plugged into to uh, this source of pure uh, a wonderful sounds and so on and now how it's become so much a part of what we need whereas before we could just sit and listen to the silence or listen to the birds or listen to nature and whatever sound arose was 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 fine was, was worked for us nowadays we need these these very attractive sounds and sights sounds and smells we need perfumes and colognes and, and beautiful scents and so on. And then tastes. Uh, we need food, uh, our attachment to these things. Everything that we want, every time that we have a partiality, the Lord Buddha pointed out that there is there's a happiness there. But there's a danger as well, because none of these things last. None of the things that we want will last forever. And we strive and we strive to get the things that we want and they last for a certain time based on how, how well we work to get them How hard we work When we work really hard So for a time we have some sort of reward This pleasure But none of it lasts forever And it tends to last only based on How hard we worked for it And in the end We have this overarching potential for suffering Which is old age, sickness and death So how could we possibly uh, if we can't come to somehow to terms with these things And understand them thoroughly If we simply go on and, on and try to find more and more sensuality Avoiding the inevitable Putting off the inevitable How could we possibly avoid suffering? Because it's clear to all of us that these things are, are, are not desirable These are not things which we're looking for And in fact, we all are afraid and know that these things Are going to be a great source of suffering for us now, a little bit more on this, um, we, have to, we have to admit to ourselves about these things, something. Because some people are not, not really afraid of these things, because they think when you die, there's nothing. They think once you've passed away, then that's it. So they say to themselves, well, death doesn't sound so bad, I mean, that's really just the end of it. And this is really a fairly naive and um, faith-based view to, to uh, look at it from a Buddhist point of view, that really when you say when we die nothing happens, you are taking a leap of faith, just as when you say when we die we go to heaven, or when we die we are reborn, or so on. And the truth of it is that we don't know what happens when we die. All we know is that death is a very traumatic experience from what we've seen in other people. We don't know what happens to their mind, we don't know where they go when they die, we don't know if there is a they after they pass away. Now we do have, in many spiritual traditions, this verification, uh, people remembering their past lives. I mean, even Jesus remembers coming down from heaven. And we have in, of course, the Eastern religions, these mystics who come to remember their past lives. We have stories of little children remembering being, being old and how they came into the new life and so on. So we do have this um, sort of... Uh, sort of these hints or these imper- imperial uh, empirical sorry, empirical evidence to support the idea that there might be something there very well might be something after we die, and this is an um, this is important in the discussion of in terms of the, the discussion of our attachment to sensuality because often people think they can avoid things up until the moment of death, and then, well, okay, there's the suffering of death, but then that's it, so at least I lived my life to its fullest. And this is really sort of putting all your eggs in one basket, and and it's it's not a very well-constructed one at that, because we don't really know what happens when we die. And in fact, seeing as how we've never experienced death, we, we don't really have anything to go on. We look at other people and we see that they're dead, but... We're not really, we never were able to know what they were thinking or what was going on in their mind, or where their mind was at that moment. Um, you know We even hear about people whose mind leaves their body. They have these out-of-body experiences, and many meditators have had these experiences and can verify these experiences. So when we look at the body and we see the body died, this is a very dangerous thing to then uh, imply from that. That somehow the the mind has also passed away because of course we 're looking at things from the outside, and we 're saying we see a body, but actually all that we 're seeing is light touching our eye, and we don 't really know what 's going on in the in the framework of the universe we don 't really know what 's going on with that being we don 't we, we see that something 's changed, but we don 't really know we never really knew what, where they were at that moment or what they were thinking or so on so when this is the danger, and this is why these things, uh, even the enjoyment of sensual pleasure is very much the cause, uh, can be very much a cause for suffering, because at the moment of death we're completely unprepared for it. We suffer terribly, we're very much afraid, we have great clinging to all of the things that we love, and we die in a very bad way, and we're not prepared for this. We're not prepared for old age, we're not prepared for sickness, and we're not prepared for death. And so all of these things create great suffering for us. And as a result, we're not, we're not prepared for the fourth, which is rebirth. We don't know where we're going after we die. And according to the truth which has been passed down to us, as we understand it, as we believe, for those of us who haven't experienced it for ourselves, is that yes, there is something uh, after you die. And well, what is that? We don't know. Um, it's described as being based on the state of mind. At the moment of death, so when you die, your mind is in a certain way, and when you come back, well, where you come back is based on how you died, in a very causal relationship. This is important to think about when we, uh, when we find ourselves uh, wasting our time and just spending all of our time. We say, "Seize the day and enjoying sensuality." For, well, we've got it. And we think of maybe the other things we could be doing that sort of make more sense, like improving ourselves, making ourselves more uh, honorable, more noble, uh, creating understanding and wisdom for ourselves, coming to be better people, helping other people, doing good deeds, and so on and so on, which really in the long run gives us a much better bet uh, for, th- for the eventual sufferings which we have to face and for our daily life. Uh, it both makes us nicer, happier, more peaceful people here and now, and it gives us a bright and clear future where we don't have to worry about things like debt or guilt or uh, worry or fear. We don't have any of these things on our horizon. We haven't done anything wrong. We have nothing no bad ideas or thoughts and in, or intentions in our minds. And so our futures are bright, our present. Moment is bright and we're creating a past Full of wonderful memories Where we've been kind and generous And peaceful and happy people And this, this comes into the, the second two Of the Four Noble Truths So here we talk about the cause of suffering What is the cause of suffering? It is our wanting, you know, our, our thirst Our hunger for sensuality Our hunger for being Having things be this way or Our hunger, our, our wishing for things to be some other way All of this is a cause for suffering, for the reasons I've explained. These things are impermanent and not under our control. And so as a result, this thirst creates a great amount of suffering for us. So how do we do away with suffering? This is the other other side of the coin, is the, the part about happiness. How do we really and truly be happy? And the Lord Buddha said simply, of course, by doing away with this, the cause of suffering. And so we see this as a very uh, simple sort of a they always compare it to a medical treatment you know you have the you have the sickness, then you have the cause for the sickness, so how do you get rid of the sickness? You attack the cause you look at what is you don't attack the symptoms and give people something to make them feel better. You go to the cause, you go to the root, and you try to fix it there so here we have. What the Lord Buddha said is The freedom from suffering This is when there is no wanting No thirst No desire for anything And here when we come to the word desire We, have to, we do have to explain a little bit um, Because some people say Well if there's no desire Then why do you come to practice meditation Why do you want to do good deeds Or so on and so on And here by desire So we mean specifically that mind state That wants something That thinks this, I need this, or this will make me happy, or so on and so on. When we practice meditation, we're not doing that. We're not looking at this or this or this that's going to make us happy. We're looking at things simply as for what they are. So if we want to say, you know, you want to practice meditation, isn't that a wanting? Well, that's assuming that there's something called meditation that we want. And actually, that's not what happens when you meditate. When you meditate... Of course you want many things, but you're looking at this and you're trying to teach yourself to do away with this wanting. So you look at the things inside of you and you look at the things... You even look at the meditation practice. Sometimes you can get very attached to meditation. Oh, now I've got to go do walking, now I've got to do sitting, how many more minutes are left, and so on. When in actuality, these are simply things arising and ceasing, and so we look at this and we see things simply for what they are. When we watch the stomach, we're seeing rising and falling. We're not wanting to meditate in any way at all. We're looking at the rising and learning how, why there's no reason to want anything about the body, wanting the, you know, the breath to go smooth or the breath to be long or so. We learn to simply see things for what they are. And so this is, then the final question is, what is the path which leads us out of suffering? So we have this great idea, okay, if I don't want anything, I'm going to always be happy and I'm going to be content. Great, but how? So what do you do to become content, to become free from uh, addiction, free from craving, free from wanting? And this is the fourth noble truth. This is what the Lord Buddha said was the path which leads to the cessation of suffering. To the point where you have no more suffering. Why do you have no more suffering? Not because you don't get old, sick, or die. But as I said, because there's no wanting. So these things have no more power to create suffering for you. And what is the path to the cessation of suffering? In brief, it's what I gave a talk about a couple of days ago. This is the practice of morality. When we come and we stop doing things with speech or with, by action, which are creating suffering, which are based on desire, based on, on attachment and so on. You know, killing, stealing, lying, cheating... Uh, committing adultery, uh, steal- killing, stealing, cheating, lying, and taking drugs and alcohol, we do away with all of these things which are um, based on addiction and are a hindrance to one's spiritual development. Then we develop concentration because without morality, we can 't focus our minds not easily. Once we stop doing you know stop doing so many things with our body and with our speech our minds start to focus when, when the desire to come in to go here, go there, get this, get that comes up, we bring the mind back again and again to look at this state of mind instead of following it and by bringing the mind back again onto the emotions and onto the mind states which arise the mind, be, the mind ceases to proliferate, ceases to diversify and the mind becomes more and more focused inward and inward on the present moment on the reality of the situation, of the experience. As a result of focusing continuously on the experience, as we say rising, falling, or any of the various uh, objects, when we focus on pain, or when we focus on our thoughts, when we focus on our emotions, simply saying to ourselves, liking, liking, or disliking, disliking. not Not only does our mind calm down, but we come to understand something about this um, matrix of experience these different aggregates the different parts of who we are we learn about our body oh, whereas before we thought it was wonderful it was under our control it was something which we could find great pleasure with and we come to see that actually you know on the flip side of all the pleasure is this whole mass of suffering you know because we like a certain type of experience and we don't like a cert- another certain type of experience if you could find someone who just enjoys the good experience and doesn't uh, get upset at a bad experience then this wouldn't be the case but when we look at experience we see that actually there's, it's not possible because once you become partial for something, you immediately become irritated, upset and, and uh, uh, suffer as a result of the unpleasant experience we come to learn about our feelings we come to learn about our memories and in the same way we see that there's a flip side there's two sides to the coin and the more we attach to things, actually the more we suffer because of unpleasant things. And if we want to be happy, we, if we want to be truly and always happy, we have to see happiness in a different way. We have to come to see that happiness is, should not be dependent on any one experience. We come to see that happiness is simply a state of mind where we don't need something apart from what we experience, where we come to accept and appreciate the experience in front of us for what it is uh, and not be upset or uh, addicted to it so that when it's gone, we adapt with it. it. When something new comes, we change. We're able to roll with the punches, so to speak. We're able to change with the reality around us and not get stuck wanting things to be other than what they are. This is called wisdom This is the third part I talked about this already Once uh, once we begin to focus and look at the present moment We come to see clearly about the emotions and the states of mind which cause suffering We see about our craving that actually it's really a silly thing you know, There's no reason to like one experience more than another you know, we, look at, uh, we look at food, for instance Well, Why is it that we enjoy certain types of food and, other, and not other types of food? Really, some people might argue that, okay, it's biological and it's because we know which foods we need. But the truth of it is, is most of the foods which we enjoy are actually un- unhelpful for our bodies, are actually a source of suffering. And The more we become addicted to a certain taste, the further off base we get. And we see that as we stop being so much a slave to our taste buds, we're actually able to refine them to the point where we don't want these uh, these wonderful tastes anymore we can see the effect they have on our bodies and 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 so on and so on i mean we can see that all of these addictions they lead to suffering on so many different levels and that in fact there's no reason to enjoy one experience more than another if we want to be happy all the time uh, if we want to be truly happy it has to come from contentment And an appreciation of reality for what it is Not a needing of reality to be something other than what it is These are the four noble truths The the truth of suffering should be understood thoroughly This is really the most important one Because once we understand the truth of suffering We don't want for it anymore We We understand that it's going to cause us so much suffering when we hold on to it Holding on to people, holding on to things When we hold on to something, needing it to be in a certain way Rather than it's the way it naturally goes by itself When we hold on to someone thinking Yes, I want you to be like this Well when they get old, sick and die This is a cause for great suffering for us When we hold on to an object Thinking this is a source of happiness And then it breaks or disappears or gets stolen Terrible suffering occurs Once Once we understand this That these things are actually a source of great suffering for us We don't hold on to them anymore We let them be the way they are We get something, we take it It disappears, we let it go Same with people, same with our own bodies When our body is like this, we accept it like this When our body changes, we accept it for how it changes This is not only a way for happiness It's really and truly a natural way of living Where we accept things Where we can truly say we are a part of nature We are in tune with nature Because we accept nature for what it is We no longer need or want for anything. So this is the third noble truth, the cessation. All of the truth, four noble truths come from the first noble truth. In fact, even the path is simply the realization of what is suffering, of all of these things which we hold on to as being suffering. We have these four noble truths, when we break them out, we see that it's actually really and truly a very practical way to the realization of Real peace and happiness. It has nothing to do with with experiencing suffering at all. It has more, to, more, uh, much more to do with the letting go and the giving up of suffering, becoming bored and you know no longer intoxicated by these things, which lead us to ever and again suffer terribly. So this is um, this is for this reason. This is why the Lord Buddha emphasized these four noble truths As really the only important truths that need to be known Other truths might be important on a daily basis You need to understand traffic laws And the truth about where is the meditation center And so on, and all of these these other uh, ordinary truths But when we're talking on a fundamental level Instead of uh, you know, spending so much energy trying to understand. You know, where did the universe start? The Big Bang. How did it happen? Where is the universe going to end? Is it going to keep expanding, or is it eventually going to contract? All of these questions, which we say are so important, simply because we don't know them. And this exploration, trying to learn everything. And, uh, I mean, understanding even that we don't, we can't possibly know everything. We still go out and try to learn more and more and more, simply for the sake of knowledge. Knowledge of the truth And all of the other philosophers Who try to say The truth of experience is like this And try to refute each other On what is the truth of experience The Lord Buddha said Most of this is just garbage Most of this is garbage Because it's useless You can know it And you feel really good Because you know it But in the end It doesn't make you a better person It doesn't help you become free It doesn't help you To become peaceful It doesn't help you To become happy Not truly happy so in the end the Lord Buddha said there are only four truths That really lead one to become noble Or which you can really call noble in and of themselves Because they make a person uh, honorable uh, Make a person a truly good, peaceful, content and happy individual So this is the Dhamma for today uh, For those of you who understand the English uh, Other than that, from now uh, starting now I invite everyone to continue practicing First a mindful prostration and then walking and then sitting and we'll see you at three o'clock starting at three o'clock.